0: for reading that to us. Um, Before I get started uh, in the message, I want to tell you that for the last three years, Faith Westwood has been a partner of a ministry here in Omaha called Abide. And through Abide, we served in North Omaha. We adopted a a two-block neighborhood there. Anyway, uh, this spring, our church council decided to uh, close that uh, partnership, that relationship with Abide, and replace it with something else we felt God was moving us into. Um, and of course, I want to say, we learned a lot from Abide. I mean, it was a, a powerful experience. We especially loved getting to know Jacob and Mary, who were the lighthouse family uh, in the neighborhood that we were serving. And we, we did cookouts with them in the neighborhood. We uh, went door-to-door with them in the neighborhood. Um, well, now we are establishing a similar partnership with the United Methodist pastor uh, in South Omaha who's been appointed to start a new Hispanic church in that area. His name is Juan Carlos uh, Veloso, and he and his wife, Marite, uh, plan to base this new congregation out of the building at Grace United Methodist at 25th and E, Okay. Uh, and he also serves as the pastor of that very small and aging congregation. Uh, and all this month, uh, they have been operating, you've been hearing us talk about it, a, a month-long morning and afternoon vacation Bible school for the kids there. Our uh, United Methodist women and one of our faith groups supplied sack lunches for several of the field trip days that they took. They um, took. And earlier in the summer, we also donated to them uh, some of our gently used carpet squares that we weren't really going to need or use anymore. And so this Saturday, as Donna was saying, one of our opportunities uh, that we have is to work alongside with uh, Juan Carlos and Marite and do some work on the Grace uh, Building as part of the preparation for the launch of the new church at that site. And so you'll see it there in the insert in your bulletin. You can help with painting or prep painting, prep for painting. You can help take out items that, that have to be removed to the building and loaded up so it can be hauled off. Uh, you can bring in some of the f- old Faith Westwood folding chairs that we're giving away. The folding chairs live on, right? And, and I'm planning to be there. And, and I hope to see a bunch of you there as well. Some of you will be at street school. And not everybody can go to everything. I understand that. But I believe that this has the potential to be a long, rewarding partnership. So anyway, let's pray about that. Oh, Lord God, we ask that you will lead the way in this new partnership that, uh, that you've got us on now. And all those things that we've learned from Abide, we want to carry them into this new opportunity so, uh, Lord, we pray that you will show us what you want us to do and how we can support Juan Carlos and Marite and, and the people there who are sort of the core that he's building to, to launch a new congregation at that place. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will bless them, encourage them, prosper the gospel in their work, Lord. And uh, whatever we can do to bless and come alongside them as the, as the wider Uh, community of believers we want to do that and we pray today Lord that you will again uh, anoint us with your Holy Spirit speak to our minds and hearts let us hear your word and carry it with us through the week we pray in Jesus name amen all right uh, today is our fourth and final Sunday uh, in the book of Daniel Uh, Daniel was a a guy who was deported from his home in Jerusalem and exiled to Babylon. Now, if you were a Jew, Babylon was definitely hostile territory. If you wanted to stay faithful to God, oftentimes you would pay a price. You might be thrown into jail or thrown into a blazing furnace. Uh, Our series is called How to Thrive in Babylon. And for some of you that might say, well, why would I care about Babylon, you know? Uh, but we do live in a culture where more and more people are saying, faith, religion, that's what's wrong with this world. We live in a culture where when someone disagrees with us, we become their enemy. We live in a culture that doesn't listen to God about good and evil. And when that happens, let me tell you, Babylon is just around the corner. Babylon was an ancient city that in Bible times became a symbol, Uh, and here's what I mean by that. We've been saying this every Sunday this month, and we're going to do it one last time. Will you say it with me? Babylon became a symbol of humans taking the place of God, assuming the power to redefine good and evil. For example, uh, the volunteers at our pantry don't ask people if they're citizens or if they're legal or illegal immigrants. I mean, we just love them, and we give them a few days' worth of food. Uh, we're just trying to follow Jesus, right? He said that when you feed somebody who really needs it, you're, you're, you're doing it for him. Uh, you know, if the government ever told us, well, you can't do that anymore. That's illegal now. I think what we, we would try to find some way to make it legal. And oftentimes you can do that. You just kind of have to follow the right things to do and you can make it, you can make it legal. But if that failed and we still knew the need was there, I think there'd be people here who would still volunteer. They would stand up to Babylon. Well, if you missed any of the first three messages, you can always go online to our website or uh, download our app and listen to it. Or you can listen to the podcast Today, we are talking about prayer. Uh, Daniel prayed because he knew his life depended on God. So let's open our Bibles to that now. Daniel chapter 6. If you brought your own Bible, great. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll see it there on page 889. And I I like to say, if you came here today and you go, wow, I wish I had a Bible like this at home to read. Well, we, we can help you out with that real easily today. After worship... Would you just head across the foyer to that connection center, which is right next to the elevator, and you'll see a little display with some Bibles stacked in there. Just grab one. You don't have to ask. You don't have to sign anything. Just take it. It's yours. You can keep it and read it. And if you're wondering, okay, the Bible's a bigger book than I thought. Where do I start reading? Well, I would suggest um, going to the beginning of the New Testament, and you'll see four biographies about Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I uh, I always like to recommend that as a good place to start. Now, Daniel was a young man when he was deported to Babylon. He lived the rest of his life in exile, never got to go home. And one of Daniel's gifts was that he was a really bright guy, very intelligent. Uh, He always had a sharp mind even into his later years. And so he remained a capable administrator, which made him very, bab- very very, valuable to the Babylonian government. And then suddenly, he had a change of employer. That ever happened to you? <laughs> uh, and, and the Persians conquered, the bab- conquered Babylon, and maybe because Daniel was not Babylonian, they let him stay on. He was still valuable. So he was given a position in the local Persian government there now let's start at Daniel 6 starting with verse 1 you got you with me it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel just a quick historical note Scholars debate which Darius this was. There were a few in the Persian government. Uh, uh, Some believe this was Darius I, whose rule over the Persian Empire began in 522 B.C. Uh, Other scholars uh, recognize that Darius was really more of a title than a name. And and all the other details of the Bible point to a guy named Gabaru, who at least it's plausible that he could have taken the title of Darius. He was the first governor of Babylon for the Persian Empire starting in 539. Well, I'm inclined to to, uh, accept this theory as the best explanation of the facts, but who knows? Uh, Anyway, uh, one day the other two administrators and the 120 satraps hear that Darius wants to put Daniel in charge of all of them. Well, what an insult to them. They don't like this at all. And, and so, you know, this word was S-A-T-R-A-P. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know Brian pronounced it satrap. I've heard it that way a lot, and I pronounce it that way sometimes, sometimes satrap. But I, I think the, the preferred dictionary uh, pronunciation is satrap. So I've decided to go with, just this week I've decided to go with that. And maybe the best way to remember it is say trap is that everything they say is a trap. You like that? Okay. Uh, so they talk to gullible Gabaru, A.K.A. Darius, into passing a law that says nobody can pray to anybody but him for the next thirty days, punishable by being thrown to the lions. Well, when Darius hears this suggestion, oh, he's flattered. He said, "Oh, that's so nice. I didn't know you cared." <laughs> so he signs the law and basks in his 30-day godlike status. No, no, no. You know. And why did the administrators and satraps manipulate the king into passing this law so that they could get rid of Daniel? Let's skip down to verse 10, shall we? Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, maybe the best way to picture this, and there could be various ways, but the one that I like is that Daniel has, and this is plausible as well, that he had a little hut that he had built uh, on the roof of his house, because they had flat roofs in, and, and that it had uh, a window facing southwest toward Jerusalem. And, and Daniel goes in there and gets on his knees and it prays, and it says, it says there, giving thanks to uh, God. And then it adds, just as he had done before. So we get the idea that Daniel's pretty much always done this. Three times a day, he goes up the steps, the roof of his house and enters his little prayer hut uh, with a w- window open facing toward Jerusalem. Now you say, Well, why did he face Jerusalem? Well, that was where his home had been, but more than that, it was the home of the temple. And even though the temple had been destroyed and was now in ruins, it still represented to Daniel the home of God. Now, you back up four centuries earlier, King Solomon, he dedicated the temple, and this is his prayer, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase and shorten it a little bit, but here's what he said. Lord, if someday your people get so bad, you have to let them be conquered and taken into exile, then let them face toward the temple and pray, Lord, we have sinned. We repent of our wicked ways. And that's what Daniel is doing. Now, how did they catch Daniel praying? Uh, Well, what makes the most sense to me simply is that they they went up the outside steps, because usually the steps were on the outside of a building like that, went up the outside steps, went up to the roof, and they found him there. Verse 11 says, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Daniel knew that if he was going to thrive in Babylon, He had to pray. Praying was like breathing to him. He he couldn't couldn't survive without it. And you and I cannot survive as Jesus' people without prayer. Prayer is our connection to a higher reality. When we pray, God shapes us for his purpose. We will be powerless to withstand the pressures of the world around us unless we are continually calling on God for help. You know, I think a lot of us, we find that we draw very close to God in nature because nature's, you know, so many things are so inspiring and beautiful. And, we, and many people have been moved, many of us have been moved to believe in God by being out in nature. But the thing is, we won't know who this God is just from nature. We won't know who this God is without Scripture. And that's why we read from the Bible here every Sunday. And it's the, same, it's the same when we pray. We need to bring God's Word into our daily prayer time. By the way, I just want to add, if, if you're not receiving my, my daily text messages, uh, I would love to have you sign up. You'll get a tiny little bit of Scripture and prayer uh, all in 159 characters or less. And uh, you can sign up at faithwestwood.com text-messages, slash text-messages, okay? Um, now, now, personally, I gotta tell you, I'm not as good as Daniel. I don't have three times a day all set up for prayer. Uh, you know, it took me a long time to get consistent with one time a day and for me, that's turned out to be early in the morning, before the day really gets rolling. Uh, and lately, I've been using a, a book that gives me a psalm, or maybe a part of a psalm, uh, plus some explanation and, uh, about that psalm. And I, it's really good. I, I'm really liking it. And, and I, it's got readings for uh, five days a week, and so I read Monday through Friday, except last Monday I forgot, so I had to kind of make it up on Thursday. Uh, but, but really, I like it, and I look forward to it. Um, and so then I, I do that, and I read, and then I, and then I pray. And I, and I want to tell you right up front, I am not an expert in prayer. I'm a rookie. Now, I've learned about prayer. I, 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 I teach on prayer, preach on prayer, but I am not even close to mastering it. You know, people count on me to pray for them and I do pray for them and, and I pray for them with all the faith and heart and love that I have but it's not because I got prayer all figured out. I just I just go to God uh, as one of his kids and just blurt it out the best I can. When I, and when I pray early in the mornings and I know that, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing for me to share with you but I figure that in my morning prayer time, my, my mind is wandering about half of that time, okay? Uh, so only about half of that time am I actually engaged in my prayers. Uh, and, and there are times when my silence before God turns into snoring. And you've, some of you have been there too, right? Uh, so so I, I, the, the, the fact is I have to keep constantly pulling myself back into it. And I've learned, well, you know, that's just probably going to be the way it is. I just have to accept that about myself. Uh, my, my mind just seems to tend to float all around a lot of the time. And I'm just going to have to keep pulling myself, and that's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, sometimes I, I like to have another kind of set-aside time uh, before bed. I'm not as consistent about that one, but I, I, I like it when I do it. And, and, just, and I've had other things that I've used for that. Just this week, though... I have, uh, I found an app that some, another pastor had shared with me about, and so I've, I've, it's got these meditative audio uh, segments, recordings, um, and and they're only about 12 minutes long, and um, uh, they're really good. They're very peaceful, meditative, scripture, reflection. It's called Pray As You Go, I think they've got a website too, but I downloaded the app, Pray As You Go. And uh, they're they're done very well. They're produced by Jesuit priests. Um, But if I've learned anything about prayer, it is this. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. I keep praying not because I'm an expert prayer, but because God is an expert blesser. Would you agree with that? If so, say it with me, will you? I keep praying, not because I'm an expert prayer, but because God is an expert blesser. So I say, don't give up on prayer just because you feel like you don't know what you're doing. We all feel that way. Luke 18 uh, that uh, chapter 18 introduces a parable of Jesus by saying that he told this to encourage people to not give up and to keep on praying. And then Jesus tells the story about this woman who kept coming to the judge and just would not let this judge alone, just kept, was very persistent, did not give up. And and you know, Jesus uh, was saying that because he, he did not want us to quit. Even if you feel like it's not getting anywhere. You don't know what you're doing, or what do I say now? Don't give up. God doesn't care if we fumble through our prayers. You know, it's kind of like me when I'm ordering at the drive through window. I, go, I can't quite get it out. God doesn't care. He, he just loves to hear from his kids. Now, now I want to share with you what I call three postures of prayer and, and it's not, I'm not talking about kneeling, sitting, or standing. Uh, these are postures of the heart. Um, here, here they are. Desperate for God, dependent on God, delighted in God. Do you want to say them with me? I am desperate for God, dependent on God, delighted in God. Do you ever feel desperate? you ever feel desperate, then I say, pray a desperate prayer. Uh, I'm desperate all the time. I'm always praying desperate prayers because I have to give a sermon every Sunday. (laughs) And, And if there's one thing I've learned from my 38 years of preaching, it's that God listens to desperate prayers. Now, you wouldn't know this, but Every week when I am, I am praying, I've done my study, and I've kind of developed some ideas. When I, when I first start actually putting words and sentences together, uh, what I, actually, when I first start writing is, is usually really, really bad. Uh, it is a load of crab apples, let me tell you. And, and most of the time, it, I end up just deleting it. It doesn't last. It gets gets edited out later in the process. So you can see why I get so desperate. And what I've come to learn and, and suspect is that God has a purpose in my desperation. It keeps me humble. It keeps me listening. It keeps me thankful. And it keeps me, and this is the next one, dependent on God. 3,000 years ago, King David wrote a prayer that began this way, the Lord is my shepherd. You know that one, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd. A sheep depends on the shepherd for food, water, direction, protection, And we depend on God. We put our trust in Him. And that's where we find our peace in desperate times. Why why does a recovering addict keep going to 12-step meetings? Some of them go a couple times a week. Some of them go every day. They they go because they have learned they have to stay desperate for recovery. Because once they lose that, once they lose that desperation for recovery, they're in, they're in dangerous territory. And that leads them to depend deeply on God, to restore their sanity and sobriety. And we have to depend on God, the one who can rescue and restore us. And that leads us to delight. God delights in you, and you can delight in God. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take, take what? Take delight in the Lord. Say it with me. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, delight is such a great word, isn't it? If prayer is always a chore to you, if it is always this drudgery, this thing you say, uh. It's never going to become a regular part of your life. Let yourself experience God's delight in you. Let yourself experience delight in God. And when you, when that begins to, to filter into your heart and your mind, and your life, that's when prayer is going to become attractive. That's when it's going to become a more natural part of who you are. So let's What happened to Daniel? Um, The conspirators reported Daniel's actions to the king. Darius felt his hands were tied because he'd already given the order. He'd already created this law, and he couldn't go back on his word. I mean, that was the mantra of the empire in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. All day, King Darius kept trying to find ways to to prevent Daniel from having to go to the lions, you know, to try to find some little loophole in the law. But he couldn't. So he gave the execution order, and Daniel was thrown into the pit where the lions were kept. But the king gave Daniel a blessing, a prayer, really. May your God... Whom you serve continually, rescue you. Well, that evening, Darius, he, just, he couldn't eat. He turned away his supper. He, uh, he even uh, refused to have that evening's entertainment. He couldn't sleep all night because he's worried about Daniel. At first light, King Darius got up and he rushed to the lion's den. Daniel! Has your God rescued you from the lions? And from down in the pit came a voice. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lion. Some people pray and are never thrown into the lion's den. Some people pray and, like Daniel, are thrown into the lions but are saved from them. Some people pray and are thrown to the lions and are brought home to be with the Lord. As Hebrews 11.38 says of the martyrs, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. So, Whatever happens, don't give up. Keep on praying. Desperate for God, depending on God, delighting in God. Let's pray now. Oh, Lord God, hear the cry of our hearts because we are desperate people. We are tossed back and forth by the by the. the influences around us and by the own our wandering of our own hearts and minds. And so, Lord, we call on your saving grace in our lives. Operate within, our, within us today. Continue to lead us in your path because we are lost without you. But, Lord, you are a faithful God. You are dependable. And so we depend on you. We put our trust in you. And Lord, show us that we can delight in you just as you delight in us. Lord, lead us on that we may be people of prayer, that we may survive and thrive in Babylon, staying true to you. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.